Hello, welcome back to Forensic Friends. I am your host, Shelly, and I am here with my forensically fascinated friend, Natalie. Ni I wow. It was impulsive. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to say hey, because I do that in the same hey every week, and it just came to me. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, then. We're off to a great start. <laughs> this, I'm not sorry, really. No, Welcome I to don't the think... podcast. <laughs> This episode, I was just warning Natalie before I hit record that it's going to get real nerdy because it's, remember when we did that firearm episode and it was about more of the physical aspect? Yeah. And then I was like, that was more dry than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's about to get drier. (laughs) So, I mean, it's interesting, like if you're into chemistry i guess mm, as long as I, you don't ask me to balance valence whenever fucking equation no. shit no i i tried i tried to make this as layman's as possible this episode we're going to be talking about gunshot residue because Ooh, okay because we touched on it like in that firearms episode which i think was actually the last episode that was like lecture style i think mm, i don't know it was based, one of the based last on ones. the based on the notes that's in the Google Drive, because <laughs> obviously I didn't make notes for our other episodes um, that weren't like lecture style. But yeah, I I didn't want to touch on on the same episode as that other one because like that was already there was a lot to go through. I'm trying to cut this down, so <laughs> let's just let's just get into it. Okay. So gunshot residue, usually abbreviated to GSR, is basically the unburnt or partially burnt particles of primer which is the propellant inside the cartridge case, basically gunpowder. Okay, so it is gunpowder. That's what I thought. Yeah. I I feel like maybe gunpowder is just like an older term. Uh, it might be chemically like different. I'm not sure than my what's brain being says used it's now. It's saltpeter, but it's possibly wrong. Uh I've heard of saltpeter. I don't actually know what it's chemically made of, so I don't know if this is the same thing. And <laughs> I, I just my history brain supplied yes who knows if you're out there let us know <laughs> it's also something you can mine in final fantasy 14 i just needed to point oh, that out no. <laughs> but Speaking we're not talking <laughs> look that's what i've been doing in my spare time anyway actually i should point out that the reason i chose this topic wasn't because conveniently one of the last lecture style episodes we did was on firearms it was because i remembered that i had a presentation that I made for university and I was like, I'm just going to pull the information off that rather than reading my textbook. <laughs> so mean, that's you did the work. Yeah, I did the work. This was what, third year, probably? So 2013. I did this work six years ago. Yikes. <laughs> I'm old. I'm so old. I'm 29. Yeah. Oh, I'm, okay I'm not it. 28 yet. Birthday's at the end of the year. Ha <laughs> ha. but this little tidbit of information was in my presentation so i'm just gonna say it the particles are spherical due to the rapid heating and cooling (laughs) it has nothing to do with anything wait but they would not make it like crystallized i know because the components of gsr are like metals oh yeah so why we test for GSR is because the presence of it on a person indicates vicinity to a discharged firearm because obviously 
when you press the trigger, it goes boom. And then the powder goes boom with it. <laughs> well, I think the important part is the vicinity. Because I think a lot of people consider gunshot residue like you had to be holding the gun. But that's just not the case. Yes. So we are going to get into the context of it. Like a lot of that interpretation kind of thing is stuff we've talked about again and again. Which is like, it's evidence. It's not like 100%. Yeah. But we'll get into that. So... I did want to get into this general forensic, what's the word? General forensic theme, thing <laughs> of topic. presumptive, kind of topic, presumptive versus confirmatory tests, which when you hear the word, it's kind of what it means. So a presumptive test tells you possibly what this thing is. Okay. So like this residue that you swabbed on this person's hand is possibly gunshot residue or blood or semen or whatever right these tests are typically lower accuracy and how it usually works is it's based on a chemical reaction between whatever that test reagent is with components of that substance so for example in my thesis i was testing for saliva within blood so the test i used was fatibus which is a common test for saliva it's a presumptive test not because it tests for saliva itself but because it's testing for amylase which is the enzyme that's in saliva mm. so the reason it's presumptive is because amylase is also found in other bodily fluids such as like vaginal discharge so oh interesting like the positive test doesn't tell you oh this is saliva it just says there's a shit ton of amylase in here Wait, so your vaginal saliva. secretions had the same substance as spit? Well, the same enzyme. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, That's but like vag vaginal secretions are mucus, right? To help trap bacteria to keep you non-infected. Oh, yeah, I I yeah um, whereas spit is more just like a liquid to help break down food. Yeah. But the enzymes are found in both in much, much higher quantities in saliva than in your vag. My vag. Everyone's <laughs> vag. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like that Aquafina song. I still haven't listened to that. I've heard people mention it, though. It's I've, I've seen the video. It's hilarious. Oh um, she's hilarious. I enjoy her. <laughs> anyway, I say I enjoy her like some snobbity old... Like oh, that She Aquafina. does bring enjoyment to my life. <laughs> This episode is not about Aquafina. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> no. If we could get her on this podcast, no. <laughs> That's not happening. She has nothing to do with forensics. Uh, Shelly and Natalie scare Aquafina with forensics? <laughs> <laughs> or bore her to death. It's one way or the other. I'm here for it. <laughs> anyway. So the point of, of a presumptive test is it prompts you to confirm it because confirmatory tests are usually very, very expensive, often more time and labor consuming. Mm. So you don't want to like, let's say we'll use blood as an example because we talked about it, I think, the last episode or the episode before. There's a stain that looks like blood. Are you going to run it through very expensive DNA testing to, to tell you that it's blood or like, you know, prep it for going under a microscope, 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 
so that you can see red blood cells? No, because that's a waste of time and energy and you don't want to do that if you don't have to. So you're going to test, is this thing possibly blood? And then if it's like, yes, then yes, there's a point to test for it further. So preemptive testing is kind of like pre-screening. Yeah. So like it saves money. Even though, like, you're like, but then you test it twice, but not really, because if it's not that thing, like, a presumptive test will tell you definitively if something is not that thing. Yeah. Right? Like, if the test for saliva um, fatibus is negative, then it's like, there's no amylase there. Saliva always has amylase, so this stain is not saliva. Well, I mean, could you imagine if you're collecting forensic evidence and you have to so, like, treat every swab for DNA. That's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I can say because I can't remember the exact price, but I was doing some of the inventory stuff for the lab that I work at. And I saw the order for the, the kits for COVID testing, which is a PCR-based test. So it's testing for either DNA or, or RNA. I can't remember if COVID is a DNA or RNA virus, but that's besides the point. One kit is, I believe... Six hundred dollars. Oh my god! For one kit, so you don't really want to be spending six hundred dollars to test something for blood if it turns out it's just breast. Ugh, god, that would be horrible. Or paint. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so confirmatory test confirms. It's higher accuracy, and again, usually more time-consuming and more expensive. So. Where this comes into play when it comes to, like, gunshot residue is you have presumptive tests that are going to test to see if there's certain components that are present. The burning of smokeless powder, for example, gunshot residue, produces nitrate compounds. And there's a test called the modified grease test. Grease, like G-R-I-E-S-S. -S, I think oh, that's okay. someone's name. Yeah. Which causes a color change when it reacts to nitrate compounds. But there's other stuff that has nitrate in it, right? Also, GSR is mainly made up of barium, lead, copper, and antimony. Huh. And there's a test called the dithiooxamide test. I am amazed I pronounced that. <laughs> Which, yeah. Five Look. points to Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound like a Harry Potter spell because it's... Like Latin. <laughs> vaguely Latin. Latin-esque. <laughs> yeah. But this test, dithiooxamide, it's fun to say now that I can say it. Oh my god. <laughs> bas basically looks for copper. Which again, many things have copper. But if you, like, what normally happens is you would use a couple of presumptive tests. And I think there are some commercial kits that will presumptively test for multiple components. So it's like, okay, so there's copper in here, there's barium in here, there's lead in here. This is probably gunshot residue. Well, I mean, that makes sense if they're, like, readily available because you've got, like, soil composition for people who grow stuff. Tanks, you need a lot of testing things if you have yes. fish. It makes sense that there are some that are available, like, to mass market. Yeah, I was looking, I was, like, just Googling just more information because, again, I was going off, basically, a PowerPoint presentation that I made six years ago. And there is actually a presumptive test available for, like, I think it's 70 bucks a test. <laughs> so it's a thing. It didn't, it didn't specify what 
it was testing for on that page, but I don't know. Anyway, when we get into the confirmatory test, this is going to get, I put in my notes, actually, shit's about to get real nerdy. Oh, no. So it's still identifying components within gunshot residue, but like if almost all of the components are found in this thing and they're positively identified, like with accuracy, then it's like, okay, what are the chances that it's going to contain all of these things but not be gunshot residue? So basically that's why it's like confirming it. Um, it just sounds like expensive process of elimination, to be honest. Kind of. But that's kind of Which usually... Which is probably oversimplifying, but... That's usually what all of these are. It's like, like if you find... Let's say it was a sexual assault case and there's a bodily fluid or a stain that looks like bodily fluid on the victim's clothing. Well, a lot of like semen, like saliva, if they have very like gross, phlegmy saliva, like certain fluids can make the same type of stain or it well, looks similar, right? So I guess I mean, like think of people who drool in their sleep. It, sometimes that dries the same way, like. Yeah, so gross, flummy slime <laughs> drool. So, like, if you want to test that, firstly, is this semen or is this saliva? Because you can't really, like, it's not the greatest to pull DNA from saliva because saliva itself doesn't have DNA. It's skin cells. So, like, if it's saliva, you don't want to waste the money testing it for DNA. Yeah. But... If you test presumptively and it's like, this seems to be semen, I think the presumptive test for semen is prostate-specific antigen testing. That would make sense. Yeah. So then it's like, okay, so this is probably sperm that you can test for for DNA. Yeah. Like, the antigens it, are mostly specific to biological males, correct? Because that's, I know from the, and, like, from a PS biological... Hmm? PSA, like specifically prostate-specific antigen? I, I'm not sure, but I do know that as far as, like, the biology of human mating, <laughs> the smell of a biological male's sweat is supposed to be at varying degrees of attractive to biological female people because... Have you ever stepped into a high school gym? No, it's always it's always <laughs> going to smell bad, but it actually smells less bad if they have an opposite immune system as you because the antigens um, in their body mix with the sweat and whatever natural nonsense. I don't think I that mm, I've never heard of that. But to me that doesn't make sense because are we going to get into immunology in this episode? It has I don't know. But basically because actually, you know what? It's relevant to current times. So maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll explain antigens and antibodies because there was an article um, saying like they're on the way to getting a COVID antibody test. Wait, I, I might be, I'm thinking of the wrong word. You might be thinking like think pheromones or something. No, there's, <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking about, but I'm thinking right now I may have the wrong word, but it is an A word. <laughs> but like antigens are basically identifiers to certain cells hmm. and then antibodies are the things that react to those so in a like traditional blood type testing you if you are a blood type your blood cells have 
A antigens, right? So if you, and then you have B antibodies because that's now like the B type is foreign to you. Make sense so far? Yeah. So if someone with B blood type was to donate to someone who had A blood type, then the B antibodies in the recipient is going to attack the B antigen of the donor. Oh, so whatever I just said was a lie. I figured it out. It's (laughs) androgens. Oh. Yeah, so antigens, androgens. That's why I was. Okay, yes, no. Because this is like, we're talking immunology with antibody and antigen. And then traditional blood type testing is like you take a, drop of blood and you would take something with I can't remember if it was a and I think you could do it either or but like let's say you take a antigen and you drop it if it coagulates then it means your b blood type or you oh have, interesting yeah because your anti-a antibodies are attacking the a oh, that makes sense I think. yeah so that that was what we did in high school like basically they just they pricked our fingers and had put them like drop the blood in the little wells and then you added the thing and if it coagulates then it's this and yeah that would have been fun yeah it i mean not the finger pricking part but ah <laughs> uh, no big deal <laughs> no it's i don't like it because it's itchy itchy yeah because what like if you've ever had like a, a smallish cut and it starts itching and stinging it's because it's actually healing oh it, but like, and also, I think part of it might be anti-infection. Like, it might be your immune system. I'm not like a histamine sure reaction. That. Kind of, yeah. That's basically what it is. It's itchy. <laughs> oh my so, god. <laughs> yes. Anyway, gunshot Welcome residue. To, I get confused with medical terms. <laughs> Mitosis. <laughs> okay, this one made sense though. <laughs> if you say antigens fast enough it sounds like androgens okay sure i'm sure my canadian accent made it harder for you i'm going to say yes to that. <laughs> it's all your fault okay anyway are we moving yes, on i'm from on one, the same page now one one nerdy thing to the other i don't even yes. remember why we were talking about antigens what the fuck saliva and antigens Sal- saliva versus semen Oh, because the presumptive test for semen is prostate-specific antigen. Anyway. I thought I was smart for a sec. (laughs) Oops. I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) I won't make that mistake again. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. Presumptive test for... So, confirmatory tests for Mm -hmm. GSR is basically like the super fancy chemical identifying stuff. Because, again, the components are barium, lead, copper, antimony. So, like, those are, like, elements. They're not compounds. I, 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 I think some people have to think really far back into, like, freshman year science or maybe, like, yeah. elementary school science. But basically, like, an element is just its core thing. And then... A compound is the combination of multiple elements. So water, H2O, is hydrogen and oxygen. Hydrogen is an element. Oxygen is an element. You combine them into a compound called water. 
I'm proud of myself for actually knowing that. And then I watch sometimes a lot of chemistry-focused YouTube videos. She likes more of the math components, and I like biology. So Yeah. Kind of funny that I was, because this is going into that level of, like, quantitative chemistry, one of the sites that I found, it was, like, analytical chemistry, which is a class I had to take. And we called it anal chem. Because in the labs, you have to be super precise. Uh, mm, yeah, that sounds like hell to me. This website also called it anal chem, but I think accidentally. Because <laughs> <laughs> analytical comes, yeah. That seems like it would make for some interesting mistakes or website clicks. I really hope people aren't looking up anal chem. Um, those if reasons. I have learned anything in my <laughs> wise old age, it I'm is 29. to never assume people aren't going to do weird things. That's true. And that people will always be weird in ways that you cannot imagine. That's true. It's the wonder of human diversity. It's something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've been, I feel like we're stalling the really nerdy part of this podcast. It's me. It's, it's an, a knee jerk. <laughs> <laughs> I sense the proximity to math. There's no math in here. It's Tech quantum precision, it's, and then I'm like measuring, and then I no. Have to this do is this is quantum quantum chemistry, quantum physics. Oh, okay. I'm back on board. So, in this particular presentation, it was based off of a lab that we did, and we used two specific instruments because that's what we had in the lab. We we have a we had a couple like again, this was a newer university, so all of our instruments and stuff was like pretty updated and nice expensive. Nice. Yeah, it was great. So, one of the ones we used abbreviated to ICP AES, which is you're going to feel like your brain is growing about 10 sizes listening to this. Inductively coupled plasma atomic emission spectroscopy. Ew, I like when you talk dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I feel awkward now. Is your girlfriend still in the room? No. <laughs> that was for me, for free. You're welcome. It's, a oh, no. it's my gift to you today. <laughs> <laughs> gift, sure. <laughs> Basically what this does is it atomizes the sample using high heat, so it's individual, like, it... it becomes atoms i don't know how else to describe like how do you so atom are you like studying how it burns or how it breaks down so what it actually does is this heat will excite the element okay so you're gonna have to think back because i think i learned this in maybe grade 10 so like even i don't really remember it but atoms have like everything has an energy to it right yeah when you throw more energy into an atom, it goes into an excited state. So it moves. It it's correct. So it, it has more, yes, it has yeah. more energy. So when it comes back down from that excited state, so it has this energy, it has to release that energy. Mm -hmm. And this energy is released as light. Okay. So like when you burn something, if it burns blue. Kind of. I don't remember what. That means, but kind I know, of. like, you can tell what's in I something. Yeah, I think magnesium burns purple or something crazy like that. Yeah, I just remember doing that in the chem lab. Yeah, so basically, I remember doing something where we were, like, what was basically happening was we were exciting these elements. <laughs> we were getting them hot and heavy. Oh, 
hot and sweaty. And then the light goes through a prism, which separates the, the individual like wavelengths. Like, you know what prisms are. They separate yeah, yeah, yeah. white light into the full spectrum. But certain elements will only have specific wavelengths. So way more sophisticated than like, we're going to burn this magnesium and it's going to be purple. Yeah. Like it's not color-based, it's measuring the wavelengths of that okay. light. Because for people who don't know, what color you see is based on the wavelength of light that is being reflected off that surface. So like purple tends to be smaller wavelengths, I think. I could be wrong. I don't Shorter know. That, I know that's true, but I don't know what the size. I've never heard that correlation to size um, or frequency, rather. Well, frequency, wavelength. So, uh, if like you imagine an actual wave, mm -hmm. right? That's how light is. Obviously, you can't see it like that, but that's what it is. And then the wavelength is the space between each peak, basically. Oh, okay. So it's kind of like frequency because the shorter the wavelength, the more often it'll wave. Right. It's kind of similar idea. Man, this oh, I'm just having so many flashbacks right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's necessary because, I mean, not that I know everything or whatever, but if I don't necessarily and understand it, I am like, your gauge. <laughs> this, is, this is information that you may or may not have learned because I don't know what every country's education system right. is like right i just remember learning it in high school and i barely remember it so, i was gonna say some of us don't work in that field so we learned it did our exams and <laughs> ran away well like even though i'm in sciences i don't deal with this stuff i just remember it because <laughs> i'm probably traumatized who knows I, <laughs> I, we're not textbooks I think people don't expect us to be textbooks. No, I think by this point, they understand the level of professionalism that this does not have. <laughs> but we have heart. <laughs> we also have textbooks. I don't. Well, I do. <laughs> anyway. Wavelength, frequency. But basically what ICP-AES does is it measures what wavelengths are being em 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 emitted, em emitted, 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 produced. I've, <laughs> I've heard it emitted. I don't know. I've heard emitted and not like that, but like emitted and emitted. Well, Britain, let us know how you pronounce things because it's also confusing it's for Canada different. because we, we flip flop back and forth between American and British mm -hmm. slash the rest of the world. <laughs> pronunciation i feel sorry for everyone when they have to deal with american stuff in science <laughs> and math but whatever although no one really has to deal with american stuff in science and math because america is the only one who uses that system everyone else uses a standardized system well i mean like if you have to look at a study that was done oh, specifically here i yeah. feel sorry for people yeah. who are like then you have to plug stupid it americans <laughs> and they're stupid measurements that make no sense they have to be different shelly <laughs> We okay. are beautiful butterflies. Sure. Beautiful wavelengths. <laughs> you all have your individual wavelengths. Yes. That is oh. the most American thing. <laughs> uh, 5G. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, basically what it does is it just tells you what wavelengths are coming out of these particles that are coming down from an excited state. And that correlates to an element because each one is different. And then it tells oh. you what this thing is. 
Wait, 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 wait. For my brain's sake. Is this different than, like, what is left helps you decide what it is, like, when it calms down? Because it has to release energy, but it doesn't break down, or it does? So, the energy that's released is the energy that was put into it. Oh, okay, so you're not changing anything. No, no it's not okay, changing okay, okay. anything. It's just whatever was coming out of that atom is what's being measured. So, like, okay. yeah, I I don't know the exact units that they use to measure what energy goes into it, but, like, yeah, it's a constant. It's not, like... My mental image was wrong then because I was thinking, like, cooking off alcohol or something like that. So you burn it and... Because boiling, hypothetically, is agitating. <laughs> I guess. But cooking off alcohol is because you're causing it to evaporate. Right. So So that's why I was thinking, like, if you agitate it and then what's left is whatever. But you're thinking of a quantity. Yeah. yeah. Th that's why I asked for clarification because yeah. I didn't think I was right. No, it's like, it's like if you – I'm trying to think of a good analogy for this. It's like, oh, let's, <laughs> I think this is probably a somewhat accurate, well, no, because you're not measuring the amount of energy that comes out. It's just what wavelength the light is. Never mind. There's a conversion in there from that energy to light. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah. that's good enough. I just, my, my brain was. Yeah. I can't think of a good analogy for it that will work in everything. So I'm just not going to try. <laughs> <laughs> it's, unfortunately, that's how my brain works. I need analogies. A lot of people do. Also, there's a bug on my curtain, and I'm just watching it crawl, and I really don't feel like dealing with it. So, I'm sure, I'm sure I have a spider somewhere in this room that's going to take care of it. No, don't talk about that. Oh, my God, <laughs> we don't speak evil. Spiders are nice, though. Nope. Some of them. Canadian nope. ones. Nope. The Canadian don't ones. care. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one method of detecting shit. It basically. It's commonly used to detect the barium, lead, and copper. Okay. And then the other method that we use in that lab is AAS, which is Atomic Absorption Spectroscopy, which rather than measuring the light that comes out of an atom, it measures what light was absorbed. So this- Like black. Like, black isn't actually a color in short. Because it's all the absorbance. Kind of. Yeah. There's this thing called, like, spectroscopy or spectrometry. I can't remember. I think spectrometry is the actual measurement. The most simple form, because we had, like, benchtop spectrometers, you would put in something that is, like, translucent, and then a light shines through it, and then there's something on the other side that detects how much light comes out. Because it's translucent, it's not perfectly clear. So some of that light is trapped in the mm. tube of thing that you put in it, right? So it, t it calculates what came out, and then it uses a formula to change that into what was absorbed. So that's easier to explain. It's kind of like if you had, like, a spill, right? And then... Mm -hmm. Wait, but is it actually absorbing, or is it, like... Sun blocking curtains as opposed to sheer curtains. I'm, well, technically, sun blocking curtains is absorbing light. Is what? Yeah. 
no, don't shift my understanding of the universe. <laughs> Technically. I wasn't ready. <laughs> Light is either absorbed or passes through or reflects. So I thought it would be reflecting, but I guess it's not because it's not. <laughs> You're... Oh, no. Yeah, no. I've never <laughs> thought about this. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this, this this episode turns out to be a lot more mind blowing than I thought it was going to be, <laughs> and it's the most random thing. That... <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Yeah. So you can absorb sunlight. Yes. Is that how you get? Oh my god. Ugh. Okay, we're gonna have to talk about this later. <laughs> um, oh no. Anyway, <laughs> welcome to self-educated. What happens when you self-study? You don't know what you don't know until you get there. <laughs> sure. The gaps in my education. Yeah. So what do they absorb that you can tell? Yes. So, what it is by how much is absorbed. Yeah, that's literally what it is. Like it'll, this thing, this instrument heats up your sample to turn it into a gas, which then goes towards this light that's shown through the sample. And then whatever light gets manages to pass through, which is not absorbed by the sample, that'll get detected on the other end. They convert that into what is absorbed. And certain elements have certain amounts of absorption. So that's how you can tell what this thing is so this is used to detect the antimony in gunshot residue well yeah like spectrometry 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 spectrum okay i don't know actually what is this the mandela that effect? one thing i think this is the mandela effect I, I can't remember if it's spectrometry or spectrometry I think I mean, it's spectrometry, but anyway, they sound the same when you say it fast enough. Yep. Antigens. <laughs> it's used, it's used to like identify a lot of things. I, I never yeah. thought about that. So now I'm, that's something I'm going to read about because that's interesting. It is, it is interesting. It was definitely one of the highlights of a lot of my chemistry labs is it, it's just fun. <laughs> Well, not I, really, I just but... never thought about light being absorbed. I don't know if it's because I actually didn't learn about it or if I didn't understand when I learned about it because my understanding of light is not that. Well, but it's it's funny because light is just is just this thing, right? You don't think about how it acts. Yeah. And this is all physics, which is not my strong suit, but like it is interesting because um... Oh, I never took physics, so maybe that's why I don't Oh. I mean, like, this was high school physics that I had to take. Well, that's what I mean. All the in, physics I in had my, to take. At my high school, physics was optional, and it wasn't oh. in the honors course. Oh, actually, so. no. I chose to take physics because I was that nerd. Enjoy it wasn't it. that way. It wasn't in the honors course, so a lot of people who took honors did not take physics. Oh. Um, yeah, we, we could choose between, like, the three sciences, like chemistry, bio, or physics, and then depending on university requirements, like my program asks that you took at least two out of the three. Mm. So for us, it was you you have to take one biology, one chemistry, and and then 
no, one biology, everyone has to take biology. And then you choose chemistry or physics. Um. And unfortunately, because I don't think this is actually the case, but that's how it was in high school. If you couldn't hack it in chemistry, you went to physics. Oh. It was for people who couldn't do chemistry. Which is funny because you could definitely suck at both. <laughs> I know. And I, it's not right. I don't understand how it ended up that way. But it might just be because pre-AP chem was required in the honors course. And physics didn't offer a higher level okay. physics course. But yeah, so I don't know. I never thought about that. I know, like, you can absorb vitamin D from the sun, and that was something I was thinking about the other day. Like, how in the world? Because in my mind, like, you see, in my head when you talk about light, mm -hmm. I see, like, the prism where you either, like, you shine white light in and then the colors come out. I never thought of light getting in things. It's always, like, it shines through so, or it's blocked. So, you know, like you said, black is technically not a color, but colloquially it is. It's caused by the absorption of light. Because See, I knew that, but I never so I, I guess I never thought it was literal. So what colors show up? Like let's say you're looking at I'm looking at my Swiffer duster, which has a yellow handle. So the pigments in there is reflecting light within the yellow wavelength area. Right. And it's absorbing all of the other colors. I don't know how it happens, but, like, I'm <laughs> on board, I'm on board, and then when you get to absorb, my brain is blocked. <laughs> like, <laughs> absorb is, like, it doesn't let it go through. So, But it's not bouncing it back at you. What see, you that's, see is what's bouncing back at you. That's the gap in my understanding. And then, like, the, the sky is blue during the daytime when there's no clouds is because, like, I think it's water particles in the air scatter the light so even though you're getting you know the full spectrum of light like it's all scattered and what you end up seeing is stuff that's blue well this goes on the list of things i thought i knew or i never questioned yeah it's it it is really weird to think about <laughs> i mean i like it i just hate that i never thought about it till now I mean, sorry, people listening, if I sound like an absolute idiot. <laughs> it's trippy. It's trippy is what it is. Uh, well, I, I think I took us way off, but I didn't yeah. understand. So I think we just wanted to go through kind of gunshot residue as evidence and why it's really oh, like yeah. that. Because in the very beginning, you pointed out the importance of the word vicinity. So it's all circumstantial, right? Forensic evidence is always circumstantial just because someone's DNA is on the weapon well, how did it get there? Doesn't necessarily mean that they are the person who used that weapon. So, but where the, yeah, so where GSR is found on a person can indicate where the firearm was in relation to them. For example, if it was found on the right hand of a right-handed suspect, that is consistent with suspect holding the gun and firing it. Right. Right. So again, like this stuff only gets released when the trigger is pulled. So it's not just someone who was handling a firearm. It was someone who was near the firearm or handling it when it went off. I've heard it like be used as evidence if someone says they're not 
they didn't see or witness a shooting they weren't there and then they get tested and they also have gunshot residue i yeah i've heard that specifically pointed I mean, out in the case yeah like it's you have to be relatively close to the gun though because it comes out in like a spray right like a cone-shaped spray kind of mm. in like either directions it doesn't propel as far as a bullet would so up to a certain point like someone's not going to have gunshot residue. So that's how you know if someone was close to a gun. And GSR can also be found on the victim, like someone who's in front of the gun being shot at. And I mentioned that cone-shaped spray. So Mm -hmm. the size of that pattern where it deposits on a person can help you estimate how far they were from the firearm. Oh, that's interesting. I do believe that differs depending on, like, the gun, the actual cartridge being used so i believe in crime labs what they might do is with a similar gun or even the suspect gun if they have it is to just shoot at something at different intervals of like space and distance and then figure out the size and the correlation and and go from there okay that so it happens in the same like ballistics testing environment I did see one article say, like, generally they try to use the same make and model or a similar gun or something, but there's no empirical evidence that shows that's necessary. But I think it's just to eliminate the unknowns. Yeah. I know they tested, like, for when we talked about, what were we talking about specific to guns? Ballistics? The Yeah. Oh, it, oh it's literally ballistics. Anyway, uh, when we were talking about ballistics, I know that they test to see, like, this gun creates this notch pattern in the bullet casing yeah but i never heard it used to determine how much gunshot residue or how close yeah it's i feel like gunshot residue is not as flashy as ballistics <laughs> uh, <fair enough. laughs> so maybe it's that's why it's not really as talked about but the firing distance can help corroborate or refute a witness or suspect's testimony It won't necessarily tell you what happened in the case because there's not enough information in that. But if the suspect, for example, said that the victim was trying to grab them or was hitting them, but then that deposit pattern suggests that they were, like, they were actually kind of far. That's okay. I like that. Not that you could do that. I like that you can tell. Yeah, it's, well, it's the same with bloodstain patterns, right? Like, I think we talked about how... You know, if this, if the person said they were um, being attacked and they were being pinned down and that's why they hit back and that's why this person bled. But like if the pattern shows that they were on top of the other person, if they were on top of the victim, then that kind of doesn't really match up with their story. So like a lot of... Do you hear that people looking to learn how to do murder and get away with it? (laughs) No, don't listen to this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) make sure that your blood splatter corroborates the story (laughs) yeah i like i think what's really been skewed by a lot of tv crime shows and stuff is that like evidence is only being used to tell you exactly what happened but you're forgetting stuff like witness statements and stuff like that plays a big role because you're not always going to find all the forensic evidence in an ideal situation you'll find all of it but depending on what the crime is 
it might take a long time before the crime scene is even found. Yeah. So a lot or of that like if someone was found in the water or exactly uh, exposed to the elements. So you kind of have to corroborate or use both the witness statements, information you gather, and your actual physical evidence to put together what happened. And, and it can, like, at the very least, sometimes it tells you what to look for. Because, like, oh, that doesn't sound right. They can't get their story straight. It tells you you need to look into that particular story or element you're looking for. Yeah. So. And, again, like, depending on the crime, how long ago it was, et cetera, et cetera, it's not saying that people who give inaccurate testimonies are lying. Oh, for sure. But I think everyone, it takes you, like, what, five minutes in the true crime aficionado world oh god i hate that term <laughs> to know that that's just not how things work yes yeah, so having the evidence corroborates or refutes certain things mm -hmm. and it helps you form new theories and stuff and yeah that's this is again just like forensic evidence is a tool it's not like if this is positive, then that means they did it. It's we've talked about this in the myth busting episode. Like it's not like that, you know. Just because you have gunshot residue on someone's hand, still doesn't mean they shot the gun. Yeah, I mean everyone knows. I think, like I said, witness testimony is like the worst indicator sometimes because you can have four people look at the same thing and tell you completely yeah. different, report different like things they noticed or. Their brain fills in certain, mm -hmm. that's like a big one, is your brain trying to complete a picture, like a puzzle. Yeah. If you've ever, like, lost something and you're trying to figure out where the fuck you were so that you can retrace your steps, it is hard. Like, what the yeah. hell was I doing? If Obviously, if I remembered everything, I wouldn't have left the thing and lost it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Again, the importance of forensic evidence is doing that, which I think... We, we left it out in the myth-busting episode since we were going off of the list, but it kind of ties into that myth of, like, it tells you who did it. It's not the only th thing that tells you who did it. Yeah. It I mean, honestly, that I find that not concerning. I actually find that very comforting. And maybe that's because I'm in a country that is so... Fucked up? <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's, it's a combination of, like, prejudice and this weird authoritarianism but also like militarized police there's a lot that goes into it so i have a hard time pinning down what's so fucked up about it because it's so many things yeah. but knowing that if something were to happen and i would get framed or whatever which happens way too fucking often mm -hmm. especially if you're not white mm -hmm. then Maybe somewhere down the road, I can get someone to listen to me and these types, there are so many other variables of things to look at and that you can say that there's some kind of miscarriage of justice. Or, and it could also work the other way Yeah. if someone's blocking evidence to protect someone or something like that. But I find it comforting that there are so many pieces of a puzzle that can mm -hmm. show you what happened because it, one, is kind of like a protection and two means that there are so many chances or opportunities for finding culprits. Yeah, I think, well, I mean, in an ideal world, you would have a lot of opportunities. Sometimes, though, to be honest, there just isn't. If, you know, a crime doesn't go noticed for a long time, like, you know, if something yeah. was in water, then evidence is lost. 
and that's how all these cold cases happen is like either the technology wasn't there to test for something or people didn't know better and didn't like know how to not fuck up a crime scene. Oh yeah. I know. Gosh, which was it? There was one like early 1900s case that was really notorious for a messed up. Oh, I think it was Lizzie Borden because like they just let people walk through the house and like neighbors and anyone who was curious, people just walked through. And that's why no one knows to this day for sure if Lizzie Borden did it, although like (laughs) maybe (laughs) highly possible. And even, even now, ideally you would have a lot of control over the crime scene, but like we've talked about, you know, if it's, been like months until you find that body how many people have walked over that area never knowing like (laughs) there was mm, when i was still in school for the uh, medical laboratory program pretty much towards the end of the year we found out that there was a body that was found on one of the highway ramps Um, not on the on the ramp itself but like off to the the side side like the hill yeah because it's really tall grass there and like no one goes there and you don't really look there. I think it was unfortunately a case of like misadventure, I think is the official term. Like someone was probably maybe a little drunk, wondering. They fell, hit their head, mm, didn't wake kind up. Of accidental death. Yeah. I don't think there was any indication of foul play, but this man was missing for a while. But like all this time, like, this man went missing in, I think, like, November, December or something, and they didn't find his body until the summer. Oh, wow. So, all this time I've been passing through that ramp and there was a dead body there. <laughs> no big deal. Was it because you finally caught it, like, when it got warmer? I think, I'm not Which sure. Which is a gruesome thing to ask, but. I don't remember why, how the body was found, but I don't know if this is common in other places, but sometimes we have homeless people who will, and I, I don't think yes. this guy was homeless, but they'll, like, be at the highway ramps when you're... Mm-hmm. I think someone, like, in that situation noticed it because they were wandering that area anyway. Oh. Yeah, because it was warmer, right? Like, you probably wouldn't go there when it was really cold. Well, I, I was mostly thinking of, like, you wouldn't really notice anything amiss. It, you're not going to notice a smell. You're not going to yeah, have usual decomp you're, things that You're trigger. in a car going down yeah. the highway. <laughs> I mean, even if you don't have a car, like if you're if you're someone who doesn't have a car and walks, I've seen people walk on highways, which please don't, dear God. Oh, but people don't do that here. Ugh, people do it here, and it scares the crap out of me. Oof. Yeah. But I there's not a lot of occasion to find someone in the winter, is because you're not doing the care. They don't. You have the city people who aren't like mowing every so often. Yeah. No one's going to plow the snow on a hill that no one's walking on. Yeah. They don't have, I don't know if you have this outside the U.S. Like, they, I hope not, because America likes to utilize slave labor (laughs) when it comes to prison inmates. But they have to, like, clean up the side of the roads and stuff. I don't know if that's a thing here. I know people can be sentenced to community service. You can do that too, but sometimes they, I think it varies between the state. You can see the people in orange jumpsuits. Oh, I've never seen that. To be honest, my first time seeing an actual inmate was like maybe two years ago. (laughs) Because. (laughs) Sorry. What? (laughs) 
my my uncle was a juvenile delinquent officer uh-huh. and liked to take me to juvie. Oh, just to scare you, right? To make sure you don't yes. end up there? Yeah, no. <laughs> but he didn't anticipate that my extremely social tiny self would just make friends Aww. and not realize anything was wrong. Aww. So <laughs> it didn't do anything. I just made a lot of friends Aww. and tried to talk to everyone. And I was tiny and so no one was mean. Oh, I just went up and talked to everyone. I didn't know. That's hilarious. Yeah. But I think the the first time I saw an inmate, like an actual, actually, no. I, technically speaking, I did see um, in university when we did our court stuff, like for law class, when we had to go into the court to take notes. Oh, yeah. Um, there was someone who was, I think, getting a sentencing. So... I'm not sure if that counts as an inmate, but they were being, like, they were being sent to prison. They were convicted. That, that was honestly, like, not related, but it's something I did not know happened in court. Because you see on TV, like, you're there for a specific court case, and you think everyone's there for that. You know, everyone leaves when it's over. Oh. No. <laughs> I did not know that when you contest a ticket that it's an automatic court date. So I got a, a parking ticket oh, and yeah. called about it, and they're like, this the most bored woman. I was like, "Excuse me, what's this?" And she's like, "It's a ticket." And I was like, "Yeah, I know, but like, I'm in the parking spot is the thing." And she just goes, "Do you want to contest?" And I said, "Yes." And she goes, "Okay, you'll get a confirmation of your court date later." <laughs> and hung up on me. And I was like, "What?" Yeah, there's traffic. So- traffic court. I've sat in on bail court. Oh no, it wasn't traffic court. Oh. You're mixed in with everyone. I literally oh. was in there. There was a murderer. Who was like Skype called essentially in? Oh no. There was a domestic violence case. Oh dear. And I had to take my little 23 year old, very naive self and be like, um, I parked in the parking spot and they gave me a ticket and I contested it, but I didn't know what that meant, so I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And the judge was like, he had been stern the whole time. He starts laughing and he's like, so let me guess, you just parked really quickly and went inside. And I was like, yeah, I had an education meeting that I needed to be in. He's, oh, what do you do? Told him I was a youth minister. And he's like, well, why don't you just be careful? Next time? <laughs> yeah, it, it, I know the lines are further away from the curb, but you have to be within X amount of inches from the curb. And I was like, okay, I didn't. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I know they, they do not mix it like that here. It's very like, very separate. Like, like bail court is mixed because it's just, it's kind of fast. Yeah. Like we sat in and it was like, okay, they would call the person up and they would be like, this is your charge. These are the mitigating factors and whatever, whatever. And then, it just, it was, it was very fast paced and it was kind of, actually, I remember when we were, we were in, I think it was old city hall in Toronto. So if anyone has been to downtown Toronto and you see that like old historical building, like old city hall, it's beautiful, right? You walk in, like you can walk in, it's a touristy thing and it's gorgeous. It's got all this like I don't know, like frescoes and and stone facades and all that. But the court in there, the courthouse is in the basement. And it's like, it's a basement. 
there's nothing glamorous what? about yeah it's just it's a basement like oh my god like and then we went into this room where they were holding the the bail stuff and it was just a bunch of chairs there was maybe like a little holding cell kind of thing next to it and then in the front in one corner was like the justice of the peace i think those are the people who deal with bail and then i think the judge i think here's just the judge too we separate judge and justice of the peace i think they are slightly different i this is law class uh, that i don't really remember but like and then there was like a podium for the person's lawyer and then like everyone like family friends whoever is just sitting there yep. yeah <laughs> i will say i'm probably going to hell for this for deriving <laughs> just, pleasure from just this, this. but <laughs> huh? just this Oh, no, you don't even know yet. Hang on. (laughs) I am not a fan of big government. Mm -hmm. I am not a Republican. I just want to say, because that's usually something Republican. I am more libertarian than anything. But derived way too much pleasure from how many bench warrants were issued because nobody showed up. (laughs) (laughs) The judge would be like, Mark Robertson. Mike Robertson, bench warrant. <laughs> just like, so many people just got bench warrants. I'm like, you just had one job. <laughs> you had one there was, job. There was a lawyer at this bail hearing. I didn't know he was a lawyer. He was in the world's most ill-fitting suit. But like, whatever, you know, not all lawyers have the clientele to wear fancy, right. fancy clothes. Especially not defense lawyers because they have the like, the worst jobs. He could have uh, he had a bottle of Sprite in his pant pocket that, <laughs> no. he, was, that he was drinking <laughs> for the other people's hearings. Oh, no. And then he shoved it into his pocket when it was time for his client. No. It was interesting. And then I remember... Are we sure it was Sprite, though? Yeah, it was Sprite or Mountain Dew. It was like a, a green plastic oh no no no. that's not what i'm saying yeah i don't know i mean it was in like a sprite or a mountain dew bottle oh no i don't know what was actually in it i didn't smell any alcohol but yeah we don't have food you can't get food or drinks in um our courtroom so that's very interesting well like i said this was like a basement right so there was a vending machine outside oh yeah you're not supposed to have food or drink in the actual room but i don't know and then I think there was a break, so we went outside. I, we just grabbed some snacks. I think we were planning to go to, like, another courthouse that day. And this guy came up to us. He's like, hey, like, we're, I saw you guys because we were taking notes. He's like, were you guys, like, reporters or something? And we're, we're <laughs> like, oh, no, we're, like, forensic students. We're taking notes for an assignment, blah, blah, blah. And, and like, the girl I was with, she was like, I was sure he was going to jump us because he was pissed that we were taking notes on, like, his brother's bail hearing or something. <laughs> Oh, and he no. was he was just curious. He was like, oh, that's cool. Like, he was just wondering why we were taking, like, it was three of us, and we were very studiously taking notes. And we were dressed kind of more professionally compared to everyone else who was in the room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like that lawyer. Uh, that's another thing I noticed. Not everyone, okay, that's not fair because it's classist, but not everyone shows up with the same standard of dress. I'll, that I think that's the nicest way I can yeah. put that without being like, poor people don't have nice clothes, you know? Yeah. I mean, it does depend on what they have access to, obviously. Yeah. Like, but 
yeah, there there were a lot of fun fun things happening in in the courtroom. I just don't know why people don't show up for bench. You just show up, my god. Do you want to get a? You're gonna make it worse. Like if you get a traffic ticket, if you're like a speeding ticket, and then you don't show up for your own stupid court date, have fun paying. The one thing. Maybe maybe they're rich enough to just be like, I'll just pay it off. Ew. <laughs> My dad got a speeding ticket. It was a it wasn't a very big amount though. Like he he got away with a lower amount because I, the cop was pretty young. He was kind of cute too. Not going to lie. Oh no. <laughs> he was driving, my dad was driving me back to the university and I was like, when he looked and like I was in the car and you know, like we were very polite and my, my dad was like, Oh shit. Like I did not realize how fast I was going. Cause that area, <laughs> the thing was that area, I feel that. it's a very wide road, but it's a very slow speed limit for what that road looks like. But I think because there was, like, one house there, they lowered the speed limit to be, like, residential speed limit. So, Weird. like, you were basically going from 80 to 50, and my dad didn't go down to 50. He stayed at, like, 80, 90. But, like, the cop was like, you know, I get it. Like, I still have to write you a ticket, but just, you know, be more mindful next time. And I think definitely, like, he probably graduated from the college that's on the same campus area oh, as my so as my university so i think maybe because he realized i was a university student there so i think maybe like it helped you know to because he he looked maybe a few years older than me so he was probably well, the thing is like I, I don't like that you have to get out tickets and stupid things like that but like the only time you have a court date for a ticket like that is if you've never paid other tickets or if you are contesting the current one. Because if you get a ticket and you're just going to pay for it, yeah. you don't have a court date. Yeah. Because my dad was like, I'm not contesting this. Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> why would I contest? Like, because he would have gotten, like, demerit points for going that fast. Or, I don't think they have that here. Yeah, like, if you get, like, demerit points, like, that's bad. It's, like, a permanent mark or semi-permanent mark. Think, I think we have, like... If you are reckless driving, you get, like, fined, and that goes on your record, and you have to go through a class, but I don't think we have a point system. I've heard other countries have, like, point systems. I wish I had it oh. here, but I don't think we have anything formal like that. It's just, uh, I would have, even knowing what I do now, I probably still would have contested it, because honestly, I could not afford it. Yeah. And it wasn't like I was half out of a parking space. So. Yeah. But because, like, my dad knew he was in the wrong, we were being cooperative. cooperative? So the uh, the ticket was lower. So he's like, I'm just going to pay this. So there was no need to contest it or anything. I know, like, it's a pain in the ass. Like, one girl I worked with, she was parked in the employee area, and she hadn't gotten her parking pass yet, but she works there. She oh, went no. to get her parking pass that day. She came out, there was a ticket. And she was like, I have my parking pass right here. And, and they were like, I already wrote the ticket. I'm sorry. So she had to go and contest it. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I'm going to keep any of that in. Depends on how lazy I am. Because it might be weird to chop it up. Because I don't know when we really ended and transitioned. I don't either. But you can always be like, bonus episode. <laughs> bonus episode, true crime forensics leads to us talking about court. <laughs> and traffic tickets. And traffic tickets. Yeah. Because neither of us have done anything bad. Yeah. I love we're talking about being in court. And we're like, 
Yeah, we've been to court before. Because I was a student and I was taking notes. <laughs> and because I was protesting and didn't know I was signing up for a court date. <laughs> I was so flustered. I was like 23 and literally oh, I, I cried when I found out what that meant. I I would be too, to be honest. Like if I got, oh, if I I got cried, any ticket, I, so I would nervous. be like, oh no. I once, I came back from work and went to the parking lot that was um, at the subway station and there was like a parking ticket on the ground and I was like, I thought it was because it was beside my car. So I was like, fuck, like, no, I, I paid for my parking and oh, like, no. like, did something go wrong? But I looked at it and it wasn't my license plate number. So someone probably saw it and just threw it. Like, that's not a good, I don't think people no. realize that like you have a copy and they have a copy. Yeah. You can't just get rid of it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't exist if I didn't get yeah, it. Yeah, so I was like, oh, thank God, because I thought I got a parking ticket. And, like, just the, I'm such a goody two-shoes at the, the thought of a parking ticket that, like, even though I paid for parking, so it's not like I'm really in trouble. Like, I could contest it. I was in the right. Like, even that terrified me. That's how much of a goody two-shoes I am. I tend to be until something's wrong, and then I am ridiculous. Depends on what it is. I can be very okay. That uh, also that yeah. too. Anyway, we are off topic again. <laughs> Who's surprised? <laughs> this is the end of Forensic Friends episode thirteen. Yes, I think. <laughs> is it the end though? It will be after we tell them our socials. Go. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at some kind of brown on Instagram, Twitter, no Snapchat, and <laughs> kind of Natalie on Instagram. Twitter, though the only thing that's on there is me talking about chronic illness stuff and <laughs> possibly Trump. So, <laughs> fun times. Also, if you're listening and you DM me on any of the social media, I will send you an edited picture. Oh my of God! <laughs> <laughs> so, Donald Trump the other day with his ugly ass fake tan got really upset that people were making fun of his very obvious ugly ass fake tan and you know protested about it like the big old baby that mm. he is so i spent an hour plus editing the tan off of his face and now he looks like a very old partially dead person that i hate so. natalie sent this picture to me i was calling her because i was upset about something and i needed someone to talk to and she's like you want someone to cheer you up here <laughs> I've almost uploaded it on my personal Instagram multiple times. Oh I'm God. not even gonna lie, but I don't want to go through people like yeah, because yours is. I don't think your personal Instagram is private, is it? No, yeah. mine's not. So either. I don't. I don't want to deal with people being like mm, these are anything. Actually, yeah. nothing yeah. <laughs> that isn't agreeing. Because yeah. <laughs> I have that right. Sure. God. Mean but yeah, so if you want to see that, let me know. <laughs> Meanwhile, you can find Forensic Friends at Forensic Fiends on Twitter, which isn't getting much activity, to be honest. I don't really check it right now. And also Instagram is Forensic Friends Podcast. Also not posting anything on there. I am posting. Listen, times are hard. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just not very social media minded. Like, I try to be, and it just, it's just not me. Like, I, I just don't, I don't know. I'm a bad millennial. 
I do tweet sometimes on the Several Tangents Twitter. Several Tangents is my other podcast where I talk more shit about shit. <laughs> because why not? I believe this week might be the one year anniversary for Several Tangents. Oh, I believe. That's exciting. Yeah. So I haven't recorded that episode yet, so I I don't know what's happening, but I'll figure it Happy out. Happy birthday to Several Tangents! Thank you. Thank you. It's old. No, it's not. I'm old. In the podcast world. I'm just old. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you can find me mostly on the several channels. Oh, dear. That thing. I don't think I'm going to plug my personal social media just because. Mine's not private and I do post a lot of like. Food relate like. Well, herbalism stuff like we've been talking about. Mine's not. Mine's not private, but I have pictures of friends on there that, like, even though it's not a private Instagram, it's not something I feel like blasting. Fair enough. So, I mean, if you can find me, my personal Instagram. That is not a challenge. uh, Then you'll see pictures of my dog and possibly stuff of me roller skating because I'm doing that now. (laughs) I'm so jealous. It's it's fun. I fell once yesterday. I have a skinned elbow, but it's not that bad. Yeah. Ah, oh, the memories of youth. Youth was when I was shorter and lighter and the impact was not as hard. No. <laughs> Things you took for granted oh, yeah. when you were a youth. Yeah. Anyway. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> I love that most awkward zero segue. (laughs) Anyway, bye.